Hey, welcome to the 164th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Paul Hilbink. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we have Michael Gallagher on the show. He is a director, and his fifth feature film, Funny Story, is coming out probably right around when this podcast comes out. It already did the festival circuit, it premiered at Slamdance, and his other movies have done exceptionally well. He did the Thinning series starring uh, some people's favorite actor and some people's least favorite actor, Logan Paul. He's a really talented filmmaker. He got started on YouTube. He's one of the co-founders of Maker Studios, which was a huge MCN um, for a long time and got bought by Disney. And he's kept his dream alive of creating independent cinema, making feature films, and he's got his newest, most adult, most complicated movie yet, Funny Story. Yeah, and not that it matters, but I've known him for a very long time, from the days where he was hanging out with like 10 other people in one apartment trying to make YouTube videos, and I was like, dude, YouTube's going nowhere. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, sold his company for millions of dollars. Anyhow, um, it's a really fun conversation. I think we talk about everything from the transition from YouTube videos to feature films. And uh, I thought probably my favorite part of the conversation is when he talked about how to get billboards for your movies. Michael's awesome. His movie sounds really cool. And this is a really, really fun chat. I'm really excited for you all to hear it. Yeah. But before... We get into a conversation with Michael. We have two things to talk about. Number one. iTunes reviews. Uh, Thanks, everyone. You guys have been killing it. Uh, We're in a race with Light the Fuse, Respect the Process, and Making Movies is Hard to get as many iTunes reviews as we can. People have been really kind of coming out of the woodworks. It's great. Um, It's really nice to read all of those reviews. It really helps the show grow, and it really helps other shows grow as well. Um, so the group with the most iTunes reviews at the end of the month gets to write ad copy that the other shows have to read on the air. So we're in it to win it. We've got skin in the game, um, but people have been coming out and doing a really great job. So keep it up. Yeah, we realize that writing an iTunes review, if you are not an Apple user, is really annoying. And so if you write one, we extra appreciate it. And by the way, we are going to read these iTunes reviews. We will read all of the reviews, as we always have, uh, and they're awesome to share with the world. Yeah, and in terms of those other podcasts, just a quick rundown. Respect the Process is about commercial directing. If you're interested in commercials at all, Jordan Brady's podcast is like super pro it's podcast. It's a masterclass in, yeah. in advertising reading. execs, advertising. agency people, producers, writers, directors. It's like everything you need to know about TV commercial directing. All Rick's podcast, Making Movies is Hard, is like the San Francisco film scene, indie films, filmmakers, uh, kind of everything you need to know about, you know, where, how to get into filmmaking. And the personal story of what it takes to make uh, a feature film. Uh, All Rick is in the middle of pre-production on his feature, so that's a really exciting thing to track. Yeah, and Light the Fuse is the Mission Impossible podcast about the Mission Impossible franchise. It is a hyper deep dive into what you learn to appreciate as maybe the best film franchise of all time. It's really awesome. And they had Robert Ellswood on, right? The DP. They had Ellswood. They had Chris McQuarrie, the kind of auteur of the last couple movies and the screenwriter of a couple more. Um, they had Brad Bird on. Oh, wow. It's like awesome. They're on their way to Tom Cruise. I will bet money that they get Tom Cruise. So check those out. Number two, 
We have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash justshootapod. It's a place where you can support the podcast uh, by giving us a couple dollars a month. Uh, it really just helps go to our editors. It helps us make this podcast, helps us keep going, and we really appreciate it. It's literally just, if you think you're getting something out of this podcast and you want to help support us, go to patreon.com slash pod. And we have an extra incentive for people now, and Matt will tell you about it. I'm so excited about it. We finally figured out what the right price point was for everyone. If you contribute 10 bucks a month, you can do it one time. You can do it 100 times. It doesn't matter. If you go in for the $10 a month tier, you get a Just Shoot It hat. Yeah, mailed to your home address or your office address if you are. Do not trust us with your home address. I really cannot wait to start seeing people wearing the hats, tagging us on Instagram, I want to see some set selfies. That will make me spending money on these hats to get them to people totally worth it. It would be a genuine treat for all of us. So um, we're going to start mailing them out soon. Uh, If you were in the $10 or higher tier, we're sending you a hat. We're sending those stickers out at the same time. Start tagging us on Instagram. We'll share those selfies. And it's just another way to like help solidify the community that's growing and see who's out there making stuff. So I can't wait to see people on set wearing a Just Shoot It hat. Yeah. And so just to set the record straight, the hat does say Just Shoot It on it. So if you're like, let's say an AD and you are trying to get the director or the DP to like move mm-hmm. and shoot something, all you have to do is point at the hat. Just saves your voice. Yeah. Uh, it's a really useful tool on set. I am guessing. You know, I have a shoot on Thursday. Maybe I should wear that hat and point at it. And take a selfie. And I'll take a selfie. And hopefully I won't get in trouble for posting it on Instagram. (laughs) All right. Well, without further ado, thanks, everyone. Patreon.com slash JustShootItPod. Hit us up on an iTunes review. And let's dive in with Michael Gallagher and Funny Story. Hey, we got Michael Gallagher here. Michael Gallagher brought wine. He, yeah, you're our first guest to bring us wine. So classy. I feel like a different guest brought us something. Once. David Person brought us treats. You guys felt classy just from the podcast that I've heard. I felt like felt like a wine vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've given up beer for 2019. So yeah, I, I had to give up soda a few years ago because it was like yeah. a real problem for yeah, me. Yeah. And then uh, and then I kind of got addicted to like, oh, can I give up other things? Mm-hmm. And I gave up coffee. You got addicted to giving things up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You gave up coffee? I I gave up coffee for a year, in a year where I filmed two feature films without caffeine in general. Like, I gave up caffeine. I would never do that. And I don't recommend it. Yeah. And I think you can tell (laughs) if you watch those movies (laughs) that I was off caffeine. Like, very sleepy movies. Just a little. No, wait, wait, was it the two thinning movies? One thinning movie and then this other movie, Internet Famous. Uh, But I know... At least The Thinning was a smash hit, right? There was a Thinning 2. There was a Thinning 2. Even it's, thinner. It's a franchise, uh, The Thinning uni- uh, Multiverse. The TM- <laughs> TCU? Yes, the TCU. Um, yeah, no, they, they were, they've done really well, uh, surprisingly well. I think it was in a moment where the studios had thought, oh, we made too many dystopian movies and mm-hmm. the kids don't want to see them anymore or we just can't make x amount of billions of dollars from them. and so we had pitched it as well what if we did kind of a dystopian franchise ya thing that was geared towards the the young adult audience that's that's online that's like for mm-hmm. you know that's just like going to live online YouTube, yeah, yeah it's not going to come out in theaters it's just going to be like an event on the internet and so we kind of designed it that way because the premise is about uh it's a world where there's overpopulation resource depletion and uh, there's a mandatory law passed where all students 
um, must take a standardized test and the lowest scoring students are executed. And so it's like just plays into that like SAT <laughs> fear that everyone has. And it stars like a little known YouTuber, right? Yes, little known. <laughs> uh, Logan Paul and uh, Peyton List, who was uh, big on Jesse and Bunked. And she was kind of a Disney Channel uh, queen. So it's like traditional media meets it was digital. Yeah, it was a marriage. And it was interesting because it was when Logan had had Vine had just like started to stop. So he had, it was like his first week on YouTube when we were filming. So he was just kind of coming out of that. Oh, wow. And then he was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, then by the time the movie was coming out, he was, he like, right, he had like 10 right. million subscribers or something. So it was like the movie kind of grew in and, post. But wait, so, okay, let's rewind because you're one of the few guests that I've known for a really long time. And I, your backstory is like so fascinating. So you were one of the founders of Maker Studios. Yes, one of the, the co-founders. I feel like there's like a Mount Rushmore of like 25 <laughs> heads. Right. Well, because that was the point, right? It was like, hey, we all know each other. You know, we're all really serious about YouTube. Let's start a company together. It was more of like a co-op at first, right? Yeah, well, you know, it was really, you know, um, Dan Zappin, um, Lisa Donovan, Ben Donovan. They were the three that, that really kind of, they were like the Nick Fury that mm -hmm. sort of brought the Avengers of YouTube in 2009 together um, because that's how it really started it. They, they had a vision for this kind of almost like Saturday Night Live type channel that would be a collaboration of kind of all the top YouTubers at the time coming together and making sketches, branded content, and kind of use, pooling the audience. But it was way before branded content was even a thing. Yeah. No, I think, they, I think that experience kind of helped the, you know, bring Formal. a lot of money into um, digital content because at that time there was the, the ads on YouTube and things like it was pennies. It was really not considered the same as it is today. Um, but at that time they kind of brought, they brought all these people like Shane Dawson and Phil DeFranco and Dave right. Days. And, and yeah. The Smosh guys, the right? Smosh guy, uh, like kind of every, everybody was coming through <laughs> and Kelly shoes. It was uh, yeah. Liam Kyle Sullivan. He's incredible. Um, and they kind of brought everyone together to make this channel. But what happened very quickly was you have, you know, seven people sitting together trying to write a sketch who all have million subscribers, one for family content, mm -hmm. one for R-rated kind of Wayans Brothers style content. And like no one could really agree on what's funny or right. what should go out, what should be the brand be. That's why there was a lot of getting kicked in the nuts because that's the, and the Venn diagram, that's the <laughs> <Sure>. only thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. that made sense for all your channels. It works for every audience. different circles and there's just one yeah, point. And then Cass and G just interviewing people about how did that feel to get kicked in the nuts? <laughs> exactly. And so what happened then was they, they kind of realized, well, rather than us all try and work on one channel, what if we instead provided production resources and empowered every other channel here and promoted each and other and promoted each other and kind of helped bring some production quality and, and value to the writing and the personalities because most YouTubers at that time were like flipping on a webcam doing an impression right. you know like Lisa Nova Lisa Donovan was doing like Sarah Palin she was like the internet Sarah Palin like mm -hmm. you know it was she even did it, I think before Tina Fey mm -hmm. on Saturday Night Live no and she so, was like on CNN and stuff yeah she was just like going all going all over with that and so that was kind of the it was like, well, what if we took that and made a sketch or made a series and made it look mm -hmm. like something that you might see on TV or kind of like what eventually became like the, you know, uh, Chappelle show or Key and Peele or like kind of elevated, nice quality. 
um, that, that could be shared al- around a lot more. And so that kind of took off. Once and your YouTube channel was totally sketch. Mine was totally thing. sketch. And I was definitely not one of the biggest YouTubers at the time, but I uh, started my YouTube channel as a director and a writer and a, a producer and just trying to, to elevate content. And I would write interactive sketches and I, I would, uh, you know, I tried to make everything look professional and, and that was my focus. I was coming at it as a filmmaker. You're one of the few people. Yeah. From that time that was like really focused on directing from like day one, even though yeah. you were in some sketches and obviously you wrote and you're producing it all that, but you were always to me, if I looked at like the, all the founders of maker, even like, yeah, it wasn't or, Michael Gallagher's totally sketch, you know? Yeah. No, I wasn't, I mean, I, I would pop in, I guess like how Lauren Michaels sometimes pops in on <laughs> SNL, like as a very, he's just playing himself. Like mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> he's not trying to, you yeah. know, you know, play a president or something. But uh, what I wanted to do was just, I wanted to make films. I wanted to find an outlet to do that. And YouTube provided this kind of free domain that you mm-hmm. can put up anything you want and people might watch it. Yeah, not worrying about bandwidth fees. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yeah, Maker really took off once it sort of empowered all these creators and then they would sign people on and then it just sort of grew. And then, again, yeah, it sold to Disney. And then now it's Right, so it's it's, now it's just part of the mouse machine. So it sold to Disney like for hundreds of millions of dollars. I think it was like very splashy, but it was all sort of like um, success based. Or yeah, there were bonuses built in. Yeah, could have been like a billion dollars. It could have been a billion, and you know, it's only they only sold it for six hundred and seventy. Yeah, sure, (laughs) something crazy. Yeah, but so I remember back when Maker started, Danny, one of the other founders, told me. He's like, you know, fuck the studio system. Like, we are the studio. Like, we'll make so much money ourselves that we can just finance our own movies. Mm-hmm. And you're like one of the few people that I feel like like ended up in that situation where you actually still were making movies. Like, I don't know anyone else from that time that like is directing movies. Yeah, I don't right? know. I, I think that was just that was always my passion, and and I never knew how to because I, I didn't come from like an entertainment family or anything. I'm from San Diego. So I, was just, I had no connections sure, to real loserville. I total loserville, no yeah. connections, no, you know, rich uncle or anything. Right, right. I'm like, ah, how do I make stuff? And all the books I was reading growing up, you know, like the Robert Rodriguez, you know, like rebel without a crew and, you know, Kevin Smith stories, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino, all these guys, it's like each of their paths didn't, they don't exist. As soon as they have that sure, path, right. it's like, it's gone. You're like, well, like, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I did work at a, a quick yeah. stop, so I'm really fucked there. Yeah. <laughs> I did make vendors. Exactly. Short about my yeah. vending days. So it's like, okay, well, how do you break into film? So I didn't have the means, and I, I was you know, trying to figure it all out. And so I was doing shorts and sketches and things and, and little internet videos. And then when I found YouTube and saw that that was a place where you could do comedy and mm-hmm. it could really catch on and, and get a lot of views. And then also they had ads and you could become a part of the partner program and make money, I said, okay, well, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to focus full time on this. I have a little money saved up because I didn't uh, fully commit to college. I dropped out for work. Um, And so I just had a little bit of money that I'd saved up and I said, okay, I'm going to put this into my YouTube channel and I'm going to spend six months Mm -hmm. just doing exclusively uh, for Totally Sketch. And if it uh, doesn't work out, okay, I'll go back to school or, you know, I'll work somewhere, whatever I have to do. And uh, if it works, then I'll just keep going and just see where it takes. And within like the first month of doing it, I was getting millions of views and I was getting like emails from other YouTubers mm-hmm. saying like, hey, you want to work together? You want to collaborate? And this is millions of views like 
back when thousands of views was like incredible. Right? Yeah. And like it was kind of still like full time YouTubers weren't totally a thing just yet. You know? Yeah, people were doing it and doing it somewhat consistently, but it didn't, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't taken over by all the corporations and things. Right, right. Like now it's like, you were like, I'm going to start a company that'll get taken over by a corporation. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, Viacom was suing YouTube for a billion dollars. So yeah, Comedy Central and and MTV and all that stuff, they couldn't, they they weren't uploading music videos or uh, no music videos, no like late night sketches. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like, is it pre-Lonely Island? I guess it's post-Lonely Island. Yeah, Lonely like, Island was getting like illegally uploaded to YouTube right, like right. when it first started. And then I think years later they were like, yeah, oh, we should just join one. the party. Yeah, yeah, perfect. But so my point is corporations hadn't figured out that this was part of their marketing strategy yet, basically. So it was like there was a lot of open field to really dominate. And like if you could raise the bar with production value, you stand out almost immediately. You know, there's not other legally uploaded TV shows is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I think because it was so new, like HD video online that you could actually get quickly through the Internet. Like that was that's a really recent thing. Like I think 2008. <laughs> I think right. that was like the first time yeah. you could actually watch something in HD on yeah. your computer that didn't have to take <laughs> when I, a, ton, a ton of time to download. I got a new computer for college, the, like my, my college computer. And I remember before I got to the dorms, I set it up and we were on dial up and I waited literally all day to watch the trailer for the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Oh, downloading the trailer. Downloading the trailer. Yeah. I would watch it 10 seconds at a time and just (laughs) wait for it to keep loading. Yeah. It wasn't a stream situation. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> worth it. Streaming was not. It wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, I think when that we made a lot of friends though. Yeah, when streaming opened up, that and and YouTube provided a, a platform where anyone could upload anything. It's kind of unregulated uh, yeah. <laughs> TV. Um, that's when I think a few companies and and things started forming very early on, and the ones that grew in popularity. I think the studios they saw kind of a gap in what they had been doing. They hadn't focused on digital as much, but they started seeing, oh, that's where the kids are. That's Mm -hmm. where, you know, youth culture is going. And that's where there's a lot of popularity for us to do that. We're going to have to spend so much money. It's going to take us years to build up to that level. Sure. What if we just buy one of these companies? Right. (laughs) And then we'll just skip ahead. (laughs) We'll skip that five years and just write a check. Yeah. So I think that's what happened in like 2014, 2015, like awesomeness maker, um, full screen, a few other places. I think they all kind of got big investors coming in and big studios taking interest because it was like, this is a little bit foreign to us, but we need to be in the game because mm-hmm. this is, this is happening. Like this is, <laughs> this is where the eyeballs are. And also like visiting those places. I remember going to maker when I was still at comedy central and being like, Oh, this is cool. You know, like there, everyone was like had tattoos and cool haircuts and everybody was like making something all at once. And you know, hanging out and it was just like a there was a vibe basically not that, that many tattoos at maker <laughs> <laughs> by the well, end it was getting yeah, yeah, know, yeah it was getting right. pretty hipster yeah 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 it was pretty hipster when i when i visited a lot of shaved side haircuts yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah yeah not not the orin days but like the take the suits from viacom on a tour days right definitely matt and i had our kind of youtube days also where we were like making stuff for youtube and getting views and marketing and promoting and gaming and doing all that stuff right and then and i felt like i was at this place where 
there there was just only so much you could do on YouTube that you could like I was like, hey, how many sketches, how many Lady Gaga vlogs can I do? You know, <laughs> like I got to like try to make a movie. I got to try to kind of mo- go to the next place. And that's I kind of like left YouTube. I don't know if that's like, the, you know, the proper way to say it. But I didn't focus on it because I felt like it was a dead end. Then I saw like the people that stayed with it, like you and you a did very well, I'm sure, with selling this this company to Disney. But then also you were making movies like was there ever a point where you're like oh maybe I should like I can't just keep making sketches I want to be a filmmaker or did that or did those two things go were together the, the for same, you yeah where, like, where was the the point yeah. of no return <laughs> yeah um yeah I think I think more recently I think with um you know, smiley was my first feature and I did that definitely in the throes of YouTube like I was still doing I had a bi-weekly sketch comedy. So like mm-hmm. twice a week I'm up, you know, shooting, uploading, <laughs> editing, the, doing the whole thing, promoting. But you had like, you must've had like a little staff and stuff that was doing a lot of things for you, right? Uh, not really. I kept it scrappy. Cause that's kind of the, um, the, the, the dirty secret of how to make money doing YouTube is the less people that you're hiring mm-hmm. than the, the, like the lower you can keep all your costs then the more money you can actually like make and profit because very quickly when you scale up, it's like, you know, you're not necessarily making that much money if you have a 20 person crew. But isn't that what maker gave you? Wasn't there a stable of editors and a stable of DPs and equipment and all those that were stuff? all the people smoking cigarettes outside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's that true. sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, like, uh, weren't you just like writing a script and you're like, Hey, let's shoot this. And then like everyone would magically be somewhere and then you would just direct <laughs> it and then you'd say, see you later. There were a couple years like that. Yeah. There. Um, and then I think you're maker, like, Wait, this is my money. Yeah. We're spending. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then you kind of realize like, Oh, well it's not, nothing's free and <laughs> like this someone's gonna pay for it oh right it's me so how do you you know so i i up until like the end i was you know editing a lot shootings um you know i, I mean i wrote everything and directed everything and then there were i had a lot of great uh dps and editors and, and kind of like swing uh, crew but for the most part it was just um it was scrappy you know, it was <laughs> even when because there was like this time where you guys were just starting to work with like a lot of Hollywood people, right? Like Robert Downey Jr., uh, Red Hour. What's Ben Stiller's oh, company? Yeah, Red Hour. Yeah. yeah. And like I Horatio on... Sands was like on your writing staff or yeah. something, right? Oh, yeah. No, it was an, it was insane. <laughs> there was like a point where it's like, how is this happening? Uh, and, I, you know, you almost don't want to <laughs> you don't want to like think about that. But the idea of Maker grew so big that a lot of big talent interested and Mm -hmm. we're like how is this happening we want in and it's almost like it's kind of a fake it till you make it story because it really started with a dream and an idea in a garage and then we just started working and doing it and saying we're doing it and then we and then it's happening and then everyone says oh how do we how do we jump on this train like it's so exciting but so when that happened could you say hey robert Downey jr i'm shooting a sketch next week you want to be in it like did that stuff happen mm. or snoop dog wasn't he like doing S- stuff with you guys snoop snoop did a lot of youtube videos at maker. so did yeah. key and peel and key and peel yeah maker stuff yeah 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 they they popped around a bit yeah yeah i uh, and... i was like hey we should have them do cross promotion basically oh really yeah so that was after matt, matt was the guy after yeah. my I, I, I actually literally was that's true <laughs> 
That's amazing, yeah. Because everyone would, like, Matt, stop talking about YouTube. I would be like, well, because Equals 3 was like this huge show. Oh, yeah, Ray and, William Johnson's and, Equals 3. That was like yeah. the number one show on YouTube an, in like 2011. And it was such an easy thing for people to just pop in and host. Yeah. And there was like all sorts of like issues with him, like kind of like being elsewhere or like, you know, there's all sorts of stuff where it was like, oh, we need co-hosts. This yeah. is perfect. Um yeah, I remember and like Gabriel Iglesias hosted it a bunch of times. T.J. Miller hosted a bunch <laughs> yeah. of times. Yeah. Well, his show was one of those shows where there was a writing staff, right? And then yeah. they would be shot the same way every day, and it would be like edited by someone else. Like he probably had to do very little work by the time yes, it like ended. Right? The top shows, it felt like you were on an indie film set where you had like thirty people making right. a three-minute YouTube sketch or, or, or yeah, yeah. talk show. It was. I mean, it got pretty. It felt big. <laughs> so let me ask, though. So you made Smiley in the middle of all this. Yeah. Well, it's funny because that script was originally the first draft was written by Glasgow Phillips, who was like one of the head writers at Maker for a while. Oh, and he had worked at South Park and he had mm-hmm. like a lot of animation cred. And so he was developing um, all this animation content for Maker. And he um, had this idea for uh, kind of a teen horror movie that he was like, oh, it'd be great. You know, if we could you know get all, all the people that we're working with here and just do a fun kind of horror movie right why and, not just string yeah you know we're already doing 30 if, <laughs> youtube sketches together exactly basically. if you take yeah. a month's worth of content like that's a movie yeah. so yeah. why aren't we just making movies here and you had who was in that shane dawson isn't it shane dawson toby turner daystorm power all my totally sketch gang like steve green and uh nikki limo and um and caitlin, yeah caitlin gerard was she was the like lead. a but you brought her kind of from traditional world, right? Yeah, it, it, I wanted a mix. And then um, we had Roger Bart, who's like a Tony-winning actor who's in like producers on Broadway and um, and, and, and in the movie musical version with uh, Nathan Lane. And um, and then Keith David, character actor. Um, and just like some really fun, uh, it was a fun mix. But that was an interesting movie because I had never made a feature. I'd been doing like pretty much exclusively YouTube content at that point. But you had done like hundreds of sketches. I'd done, I'd done hundreds of sketches and I felt I had the confidence to go. Sure. I was like my whole life. I'm like, I got to make a movie. You know, I almost had more passion to make a movie than I did to make this movie, you know, mm-hmm. like than this story. Cause it wasn't a personal story. It was like a script that was developed by Glasgow that I came on and, and brought some ideas to. And I just really, I wanted to make it. I, it's a, you know, it's a horror movie that, that was about cyberbullying and about 4chan and about like all the kind of evils of the internet, mm-hmm. the nihilism of the internet and kind of like personifying that in a sort of a slasher villain. And it was kind of like a, like Beetlejuice, like um, Slenderman, like there's yeah. like a myth, right? That... Yeah, he's like an internet urban legend. It's actually pre-Slenderman. <laughs> yeah. But it's like one this of those. This movie sounds pretty good, man. It's actually, there's a movie that came out recently that's kind of similar, right? It's like all these kids in the chat room. I didn't see it, but it was, let me look oh, it up. It's one of those. Um, but I know it did really well. And it's I know not searching. It's the it's other. It's the other one that came out around. Oh, yeah. oh Unfriended. Yes. 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 Yeah, I don't think there was a killer, but they were all definitely getting killed, if that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> thank you for not spoiling anything. I think it's a ghost. It's a, like a haunted. Gotcha. It's a haunted laptop movie. <laughs> yeah, Unfriended. That's the one. Sounds cool. It did great, though, actually. It did yeah, no, it's fun. Well. It's super fun. It's a, it? it's a screen It's a screen movie, so you're watching uh, someone's yeah. desktop, like, uh, you know, with Skype sessions and yeah, things. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's really compelling the way they do those. It's crazy how the that format works yeah. like it's not bad 
Oh, I love searching. Yeah. That was one of my so favorite good. movies last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Smiley kind of came out of my experience on, you know, YouTube and, and wanting to kind of elevate and make something bigger. The crew and, and everyone I brought on, they weren't the people I was working with all the time. Almost everyone was new. So that was definitely like, a, oh, interesting. I, as my yeah. first experience and having made a few other films since then, it's definitely like made me realize, oh, if I had the familiarity of mm. my team and, and everyone, then I think I would have been more comfortable every day because I was... I was 22 making this movie. Oh my God. <laughs> and you were, and, so you were like, I need to get like the best DP I can get, the best production designer, best costume designer, exactly. best everything. And every, so everyone was and you guys kind shot of, on like the red. And we shot on the red the camera. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, they just shot the social network on this. We're going <laughs> to use the red camera. It's going to be incredible. And um, yeah, and it was a, it was a total passion project. But I kind of treated it. Wait, and so who paid for it? Did Maker I did. finance? No, so that was the thing. Maker was going to, and well, then wait, they didn't. You paid for all of it out of your own. And this is pre Disney movie, sale, yeah. obviously. This is pre Disney sale, so this is just YouTube AdSense money. Are you serious? <laughs> but I literally spent all every penny I had you, to make all this of your AdSense. <laughs> and and it wasn't like that. Are you allowed to tell us? How yeah, much no, that it was. Uh, I think a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Oh, that's uh, that's so much money. That's so much money, but. Well, but for also a movie, less money than not, I thought. Yeah. yeah, not a crazy amount. So, and it's and then it had like a theatrical release and stuff, right? Yeah. So that was the that really Smiley was my film school because I saw the process the whole way through from developing the script, casting it, financing it, <laughs> directing wow, I can't it. Believe you financed it. Yeah, and then and, and then what about I took Glasgow around, or any like any of the other people that created it with you? Did they finance it? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I so think. So did you own the whole thing? I uh, yeah. I, Maker didn't own any of it. No, Maker didn't own any of it. And, and they didn't want it. <laughs> Nobody Really? Wanted. Yeah, they did. It was sort of developed there. And then there was a moment where they could do it. But Glasgow wrote the script and they didn't want to do it. And so but aren't they you let me they? do it. Yeah, but you know, it's a team. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you kind of have to like. Did you have sure. like a board meeting and you're like, guys, let's make this movie. I'll direct it. Why not? Yeah, well, that was kind of how it started was like, oh, we're, they're interested in making movies. But it was just a little early for them, I think, mm-hmm. is the problem. Because it was 2011 that it was written and developed. Yeah, but didn't that Camp Tanawakanaka or whatever yeah. come out? <laughs> oh, Camp, uh, Camp Dakota. Yeah, yeah, that actually came out after Smile. Yeah. So this was pre- oh. so this was really short of the Fred movies. I think this was like the first digital influencer, like made from YouTube YouTubers type movie. Um, and but we didn't release it online. Like our original plan was to just kind of put it on a website and do the Radiohead thing. Mm-hmm. Was like pay whatever you want, and <laughs> you know, cool, like remember yeah. they did that with like in Rainbows sure, album yeah, yeah. back then. And we thought, oh, that'd be real punk rock, like cool thing yeah, yeah. to do. Um, but then as the, as the, <laughs> but then as a financer, like doing it, I'm like, Oh no, I, <laughs> I got so scared to do that. I'm like, uh, I don't, maybe I should do the, what movies normally do. Yeah. Wait, yeah. But then in hindsight, did you make the right decision? Well, yeah, it's yes and no, because, uh, I got so much knowledge from the experience of not only making the movie, but then distributing the movie because I, I we were the distributors we mm-hmm. partnered with amc oh. independent which they it's like a really cool program it still exists and uh we if you're not going to do a day and date and you're just you want like a true theatrical like three month exclusive window mm-hmm. with a, a theater you can go to amc independent and pitch them a plan of your movie you show them the movie you tell them how many theaters you want what you're going for and then how you're going to market it and you have to be able to show that you're going to market it online and outdoor mm-hmm. and spend some money 
And if you're and by willing outdoor, to, you mean billboards like and billboards, bus stops, things bus, like that. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're able to show Wait, them your plan, how do you even come up with that plan? How do you realize, are you like, oh, uh, well, yeah, put on a, a thousand question. billboards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was kind of the idea. It was like, like, did you bring other people on to help? So at you, that point, yeah. So my producer Michael Wormser and I, we kind of were the. He was working at Maker at the time, like when we first were developing this, and so we kind of, you know took the baton from Glasgow and, and Maker and just kind of carried it all the way through to the end. And so after we had the movie in the can, we were really proud of it. And we're like, we got to get this thing out there in theaters. It's going to be great for Halloween. And so, yeah, we met with AMC and they loved the movie. And then they were really on board like, oh, no one's ever done like a, you know, people from the Internet promoting it and everything. Like, let's try it. Like, why and you're not? like, by the way, our our cast has like 10 million views a week. Yeah, combined. like the cast, I mean, yeah, because like Shane and, and Toby and Daystorm and, and all the Totally Sketch guys like combined, like it was a lot of it was a lot of promotion power that could be behind the movie. And, and exactly have... to the right audience. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we then had Did they to... have any incentive though? Like was there any like beyond personal mm-hmm. relationships? You well, know what we I didn't, mean? Oh well, we didn't know them. We didn't know AMC or had no, 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 no. I mean, with them. Your, oh, cast. your talent. Oh, the cast. Yeah, they had uh, back end and stuff. Gotcha. Good. And okay. so, and did you structure that deal where, like, once you get paid off, they start getting paid? Yes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, the tricky thing with the movie was that we then had to raise money for outdoor advertising because I was out of money, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we had just pitched this big plan to AMC, and we kind of did the like. Of course, we're going to make that happen. Wait, so you and your producer just came up with like, let's say we're going to spend like a hundred grand on marketing. Yeah, that's basically the number. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think it ended up being like one hundred and ten thousand. But yeah, and so we came up with that number, and we said this is the plan, and we we got a thirty. I think it was twenty eight screen theatrical in fourteen markets. Wait, can I ask you? <laughs> and it was and it was a um it was a rev share thing with the theaters. It wasn't a four wall. We weren't paying for right. The, no, that's, the theaters. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, it caught, but you still had to make the DCPs, like the copies of the movie oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, we had to provide the DCPs. We had to provide the marketing, and then um, which the DCP, I'm sure most of our listeners know, but it's like the cop. What used to be a copy of the film on film is now a digital copy. What does DCP stand for, actually? Digital Cinema Package. I think it's yeah, literally the, right. yeah, exactly. it's the file format. Yeah, kind of. But that's what. Yeah, it's like saying, "Ah, I provided the MOV." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I think I don't except know. MOV is not an acronym. I feel like George Lucas had a lot to do with the DCP situation. With oh, the, the Star Wars. Phantom stuff. Menace, when he was like, no, we're going to switch to digital projection. <laughs> You're like, cool, thank you. But what's crazy is but, you don't realize that the, because the theaters were like, well, now we're losing all this money that we were making on all this film processing and stuff. We're going to just like charge you some arbitrary amount of money to just like literally take your hard drive and plug it into our computer. It is literally a hard drive. You can homebrew It's like them. a lacy yeah, rugged it's a drive. drive. Yeah, yeah. It's like nothing. Yeah, but you yeah you can homebrew them though. Yeah, right. now you can. It used to be mm-hmm. really hard. But also, when you, came you out. have yeah, to have definitely. the the space to like test them. You know, like you could make you could have your buddy make one on his computer, maybe. But then you still have to like make sure it works in the movie theater. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. So there's still a lot of steps and that cost a lot of money. And, and the harder part, you know, at least from my experience, was like the audio, like the Dolby audio, because every sure. theater plays like surround sound in a different way like there's a few different encoding ways and there's a way you can encode it so that if it's playing in stereo it still sounds okay but if it there's five one it sounds better and set atmos and it's like all that stuff is like not something so you just click stuff. and premiere on right an export you kind of need to 
pass it to some really great, you know, music editors and sound designers and editors. Yeah. I, so I'm actually curious because you, you reminded me, Oren, like when we all make a YouTube video, you just kind of like do the mix and premiere or whatever and everything sounds good and you hit export and you're good to go, right? Uh, and then when you have to put something up theatrically, you have to do a mix and really be thoughtful about all that stuff. Were there other things that you were surprised by in that first filmmaking experience where that was like, oh, I'm used to YouTube and now all of a sudden I have this movie and I had no idea that I needed to do these other steps? Yeah, well, I got, uh, I kind of got scared scared because oh it's like oh my god we're gonna come out in all these theaters it has to be like theater full theater quality yeah. like so yeah you I was can't like, be everything i know everything from... i know doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. so now i have to hire all these like professionals and like big companies right. that have right. big overheads and so i ended up spending a lot of money just to like theater proof it mm-hmm. and in making a few other movies i've seen that uh, i kind of went overboard <laughs> like right. in what and what i thought was necessary mm-hmm. also probably amc gave you a list of things you should make that you probably didn't need like hd cam copies and things well, like that the theaters didn't do that but uh, for home video for with arc and stuff that uh, mm-hmm. we had uh for you know a list of deliverables and things for home video but um, but that are for just the, in somebody's a hard drive. They're just sitting closet. in some okay. yeah, yeah vault. You spent thousands of dollars of your own <laughs> that were never new, needed yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, the big things are you know for for sound, especially for international, is uh, is having a your everything separated. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have a, like an M and E mix where it's just the music and effects and and everything separated, so that way they could take out all the dialogue. And still, the you could hear the movie, and they could redub it in Spanish or Italian. And what people doesn't re- don't realize is like, yes, you have like your sound effects, you know, and you have your music, and you have your ambience, or whatever, and you have your dialogue tracks. But when you're doing that, delivering internationally, you need to take all the sounds that were recorded while you made the movie. Like if somebody, um, you know, falls down into a you know a pile of trash, and it made a sound. You need, and then, and they said something at the same time. If they said, oh no, as they're crashing. Yeah. You need to, you need to say, give, oh no separately. And you need to give that pile of trash separately. So, so now you're like recreating bleh. all these sounds. And yeah. Then French garbage is really hard to source too. <laughs> yes. And then you're doing ADR and sound design to yeah. create a, an authentic moment. Now it sounds like. Yeah. And you end TV. up at the same place you started, but it's just separated. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. so, so much wasted money. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. And, and they're uh, like, oh, no, we didn't sell your movie to France. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, so that was... Um, it, it was a great experience because the um, the trailer that we had, uh, when we put the trailer out for Smiling, we didn't have distribution then. It went crazy viral. It got 30 million views. and It got a million views in a day. Yeah. And then it was just like clicking up, 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 up. And again, that, this is like eight years ago. Which that's yeah. a lot of views Insane. today. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I saw something... Like an SNL sketch that had gone viral still only had like a million views a week after it had come out with like Adam Sandler in it. Yeah, this was nuts. Um, Wait, uh, can we, I want to back up up to this marketing plan thing because I'm just curious. So like you're saying like we're going to spend a hundred grand. How is that split between outdoor, which is billboards and bus stops and Yeah, and then um, yeah, there's a, a... wild postings which is what when they put posters on like construction sites like in a line that's the word i didn't know wild that's, posting. i, I never heard of smiley's and smiley wild, posting. wild postings yeah we yeah. wild posted the shit out yeah. of in every city yeah. that you every played? yeah every market we had a presence outdoor how much 
does that, does that well, cost? Well, the, that's can I the, wild post like um, my car for sale? Yeah. Or something? <laughs> How legal is it too? Well, that's the thing that you could in theory go and do this yourself and not hire a company, but this company, they get the permits. Mm-hmm. They have a street team that does it in the middle of the night and then they ensure that you'll be up for X amount of weeks, whatever you're paying for. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, they figured out that system, but I'm sure uh, like, I've also seen, you know, in Venice or something, people like, you know, stapling things to sure. stop signs and stuff. And I don't think anyone's paying for that. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, the wild posting thing, um, trying to remember costs exactly on everything. But what I, what I do remember doing was having that meeting with AMC and then Michael Wormser and I saying, okay, we are going to be doing, we are going to be advertising executives. Now, how are we going to advertise this movie and find the different avenues that we have and so literally, I'm Wait, driving. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but be, but was there TV ads or trailers or we, YouTube promote? Like, yeah, we couldn't else? afford TV, but we knew we could do YouTube. And so I kind of just called in every favor I could ever ask of anyone that I'd worked with or provided services for or anything, and said, "Hey, this is my first movie. If there's anything you can do." And the charity and the things that people were able to to help with when you ask was incredible. Um, you also probably are underestimating how much help you'd provided to those people. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, I kind of like felt like when I was first starting on YouTube, I, I didn't really charge anyone anything. Like mm-hmm. if they wanted me to shoot something, edit something, like direct something for them, whatever, I would just do it for free. They offered me money or something. I'd be like, no, no, like yeah. we're just, we're friends, you know, you know, it's it like a barter system or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So I kind of like had some favors stored up maybe yeah. that I could now <laughs> it's like the Godfather now. <laughs> I'm calling. One day I might call upon you to to do a duty for me. Yeah, Daystorm found, yeah. found a yeah. horse head in his bed. Like, all right. And but also it was like exciting for the community because it's like, oh my god, one of us is making a movie. Like, mm-hmm. if this does well, this does well for all of us and opportunities moving forward. So there was that. Right. There was that sense too. Yeah, that's when Logan Paul decided to start mining. <laughs> we inspired him. Um, Wait, yeah, so, so did you have like viral marketing ideas and all like a little bit? I mean, our trailer had gone viral and and the character of Smiley was sort of like gaining a lot of traction online. So we made little like clips of him and like images and, you know, like we did some of those like um, really silly memes that are like repost this in 10 seconds or you'll be haunted forever. Mm-hmm. We like oh, spread cool. some of those around and they got thousands you came of retweets and things. Yeah, we would just, you know, get the meme font you know, like Arial bold or <laughs> right, something. Right, right. And you like put it over an image in Photoshop and then you post it and then you so see what happens. So was it just you and Michael sitting in a room saying like, what crazy stuff can we make that will, people will repost? Exactly. Yeah, we were coming up with that. And then also, I'm you know, we're driving down the road and I'm looking over like, how do you get a billboard? <laughs> how do you get these, um, you know, because yeah, we don't have... Clear ha- Channel, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, guys? exactly. So you see Clear Channel as a logo and you're like, all right, I'm going to Google Clear Channel. And then it's like, oh, they have a number. So I call, hey, Clear Is Channel. That literally what you did? Exactly what I yeah. did. We just started calling these places and saying, look, we're not Lionsgate. We're just a couple of guys trying to sell a movie. Yeah. What can you do? Like, is there any inventory in that month? Like, how, you know, help us out. Like, you know, did the- you know the word inventory? I knew the word inventory. <laughs> but, but do you know, like, in yeah, terms of like how they, mm-hmm. like, of course you knew the word inventory, but I mean, like, that's like Did you know that was a speak? billboard term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew enough, but I also went to them and didn't try and act like too cool for school. Like mm-hmm. I do this all the time. Yeah. I called like, Hey guys, <laughs> I'm being real. This is the like, my situation. parents are going to kill me if this movie doesn't make its money back. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't have to go full, uh, Ferris Bueller or something, but, uh, I did, I did, I just played, you know, 
what can you do? Like, how can this work? This is sort of a number of a budget, mm-hmm. you know, like I think for clear channel, it was like, I think we spent like 15,000 or 20,000 or something. And we're like, what can we do for 20,000? And does that include the, the literal physical materials and printing of the billboard? Well, that was re- what was really cool. Cause at that time LA had digital billboards all throughout. Mm-hmm. And so those don't cost, there's no installation you fees. You literally send them a send JPEG. Them a, you send them a JPEG and then they just boop. And then all of a sudden it's on 30 digital billboards throughout LA oh, wow. and it's, you know, very awesome. Blade Runner. Yeah. So like every minute it's just, you know, it's popping back up for 15 seconds and, you know, rotating in with gene ads and whatever. Um, so we did that and that those were really affordable. And then we did. And some, do you think they work? I would get calls and texts from people being like, did your movie just get bought by some big studio? Cause I keep seeing ads everywhere. And I'm like, no, we just, we called up clear channel and did it. <laughs> And then, yeah, so we kind of started freaking people out. Genuinely, I'm having a really hard time getting over the fact that you just saw the Clear Channel logo and called them. Is like, (laughs) well, he Googled it. So I did a Google, but it's so excellent, and I think such a really. I want to point it out because it's a thing that feels so far out of the reach of anybody. Like I will, I honestly, if someone was like, "Hey, you can just call Clear Channel and buy ads from them," I'd be like, "Come on, man." No way. You've got to like yeah, you probably have, have a line of like credit a, and you have to set up a thing yeah, and blah, blah, blah. An ad agency or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no way I would have thought that a person could just call and be honest with them and straightforward and, and have it happen. And yeah. that is so incredibly empowering. I want people to hear that, that you can take that mentality and put it towards anything. You and know, one, one other thing is, I mean, the three of us have lived in L.A. for a very long time. And I think sometimes we forget like how much of a billboard city L.A. is. That's true. Because yeah. you go to other cities and there's like barely any billboards. But I do think at least in Hollywood, like if there's a billboard for your true TV show or whatever, that's like, oh, wow, this person's made it. This person made it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, sure. To, yeah. I've called people for sure. Yeah, like no, I've, I've taken, taken pictures and yeah. sent them to people. Yeah, without a doubt. There's also, you know, Sunset Boulevard, there's like a strip basically that's the most expensive billboards, I think, kind of in the world. Yep. And it's purely bragging rights. It's purely just agents all driving down. That's like they're all on their way to Soho House or whatever. <laughs> like, look what we got. You look what we got. Look, well, I always got thought one. we got that one. That those billboards are expensive because people film there so much that you're like getting kind of retweeted or whatever oh, the term yeah. is. So <laughs> you're in the often. background of, yeah. of a movie or something. Yeah. Or a million people's photos of the sunset strip. Right. Um, but yeah, they do do all that custom advertising there. Like Southwest will be like, are you late to see your agent? Go to Southwest.com. <laughs> or something. But I guess, is there some way to like make some no budget film and then just spend your budget on a few billboards Yo. and then get meetings with CAA saying like, oh, have you heard of my movie? Have you heard That's of weird. a little filmmaker named Tommy Wiseau? Oh, <laughs> yes. Dude, that the room yes. billboard was up for years, it felt uh, like. Uh, definitely years, yeah, like seven years or something. It was so bonkers. You were like, what is going on? <laughs> but, what's the deal with this movie? But what's crazy about it is the design, the graphic design of that poster was <laughs> so bad that he could have been the best filmmaker ever and people would still not want to meet with him based on that billboard. He had like a like a, a lens flare in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> like a 3D font. I think there was the maybe room. like a, a 
phone number for booking the movie too that yeah, you that was pretty sure it was his, his number his yeah. number yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay um, incredible i guess you should probably jump to your present movie yeah even though oh, there's yeah. so much <laughs> more in between you probably didn't learn anything on the other movies in between very little Wait, so <laughs> your new movie which number is it four this is my fifth oh feature. fifth feature Whoa. yes i got managers i got agents mm-hmm. you know I'm, you? I'm at uta and i um with management 360 and, and that was off Smiley? That was off Smiley, yeah. And did they, like, not care one bit about your YouTube success <laughs> or the fact that you started this giant company or any of that stuff? No, they kind of did. I think it was, like, they saw me as, like, some kind of hybrid. And then that's kind of what I became was, like, oh, you're the YouTube whisperer. So mm-hmm. we can help make uh, movies with you if it's starring people from that world because you can actually get good performances out of people that aren't, you know, sure. traditional actors. Which is... A real talent, you know. That's but a hard thing to do. Is it so? I've, I'm. <laughs> or uh, Orin can speak to this because you've worked yeah. with tons of. Uh, yeah, but also, I. I mean, I'm sure all three of us have gotten this question before, which is like, so how do you direct like a YouTuber? You know, <laughs> I have like, a how do you approach that I 100 percent believe in. Yeah, exactly like any other actor. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. I disagree. Uh, but what I say is basically, I come from a place of respect and understanding because a yeah, youtuber that's how you do it with all actors. <laughs> sure 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 but but actors sometimes it depends on the actor i suppose but there's their background is different right so a traditional actor you can talk about like different methods or like the way that they like to perform and things like that right like you can figure out like where did they study what school did they go yeah to, but you're never like let's meisner the shit out of this right no but, like... but you do adjust your take you know I, a stand-up comic who's just like a pure performer who maybe didn't go to tish or whatever i talked to them differently for sure there's small differences but like you can be a little more technical and a little more exact in terms of how you want things to come across if they're like more of a, a of a stand-up whereas like if they're more touchy feeling you have to take that into consideration right yeah it's funny i find the youtubers a lot of times more technical because they are doing everything themselves. They're but not yes, unlike they're a, not uh, as good yeah. at either being vulnerable or like sure. kind of reaching outside of. You don't bring their up sense zone. memory to yeah, them. The yeah. emotional core can yeah. can be tricky, but yeah. that's uh, the key. There, I think, is just spending a lot of time in casting and just sure. auditioning, reading people, doing screen tests, chemistry tests. Like we did a lot of that with Internet Famous and The Thinning. Like, and and it was funny because. Each person that I cast that I didn't already know from those worlds, because I, I also working with a lot of people, you can tell like, oh, I want to work mm-hmm. with these people again. Maybe right. not this person so sure, much. Sure. Um, You're still selective. You're thinning out. Yeah. Who did you, you not want to work with? Uh, I'm just kidding. Beep. <laughs> uh, yeah. The thing with that process of casting is like you really see like there are people that whether they went to YouTube as their medium of choice if they had gone into acting, if they had gone into, you know, some other profession, like they would succeed. Like th- some people just have that inherent talent. They have that quality. Yeah. And maybe it's just that not X as factor. refined. Right. Yeah. 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 And then other people just don't, you know. So it's uh, it's just a process. I With all these companies, um, I would be really thorough in that search, in that kind of process of finding <laughs> um, the right yeah, you know, give the, give the rose to the right sure. <laughs> bachelorette or bachelor. Right. So I think you were taking us through how you got to this movie between Smiley. Yeah. So I became this kind of um, sort of, yeah, digital influencer whisperer 
guy who could make movies starring them and traditional actors. And then all these companies, all these studios, they wanted they wanted in on the game because there have been a few publicly really successful digital influencer films. Uh, there was Camp Dakota and there was Expelled. And both of those got like really splashy write-ups. And there was like a weekend where every studio in town was like, why aren't we making low budget movies starring this top talent from the YouTube world? Why aren't we doing this? And I'd been around pitching two different mm-hmm. projects, The Thinning, which is this YA dystopian teen thriller. and Which you came up with? Yeah. It, uh, Steve Green and I, we wrote the script and, you know, kind of packaged uh, like uh, you know, the, the idea of it. And you were writing the script while you're still making two sketches a week and running this company and all yeah, just doing distributing your other movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the period after Smile, like kind of once the dust settled, everyone was like, what do you want to do next? And I didn't have it. I didn't have the next thing. Mm-hmm. And that was my like... And you just signed a fancy new team. I, yeah, I, fan- yeah, I signed all these fancy teams. So I was getting all these great meetings, but I didn't have something ready to go. Were and they sending you scripts or trying to get a, you? A little bit. But what I found is it's the process of taking a, a spec and then making it something I really am passionate about that I want to make. The process, it almost takes so long that by the time I'm done with it, they don't want to make the movie anymore. Yeah, sure. or, or those people left or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it's almost like if you're going to do one Someone of those projects, you got to just say yes at that moment and start casting and then shoot it right away because th- the clock is ticking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, with these other movies, so I've been pitching Internet Famous, um, which is like a mockumentary of YouTubers and, you know, the whole world's kind of Christopher Guest mm-hmm. sort of best in show look at you know, ego on YouTube. That is Wendy McComb in that? Yeah, Wendy McCombs in that. And uh, Amanda Cerny, Shane Dawson. Um, we got John Michael Higgins, Missy Pyle, um, Adam Bush, a bunch of other really funny people. Um, and But those movies we were pitching right when those other movies, uh, Camp Dakota and Expelled, had just made this list. And so everyone was like, what do we have? And we had just yeah. pitched these projects. So both Lakeshore and Legendary these two big companies, they were like, okay, we got greenlit basically at the same time. So that's to answer your question, how we made two movies in a year. It was like, there you go. we got greenlit at the same time. One was ready to go. One needed a few months. Wait, what do you mean? Before. You got both of your movies greenlit at the same time? Yeah. Internet Famous and The Thinning? Yeah. Within the span of a month. And Internet Famous is not a thriller horror at all, right? No, that's a, as a mockumentary comedy. So it's uh and did people care? I mean, I guess you had all that yeah, he's got body totally of work. Sketch. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been doing sketches on YouTube and kind of YouTubers mostly like comedy is kind of the number one thing there. So it felt like a natural fit of like, oh, we're gonna take the people from this world to make fun of it. Oh, this sounds like fun. And so this so Lakeshore loved it and wanted to do it right away. And then the thinning, we needed to cast it. We didn't have the cast all ready to go. So that needed a little more time. So, But that was easy to get off of Smiley because that was more of a thriller. Yeah, exactly. Horror, right? And they liked the concept. And um, yeah, it was we could do it for a budget. It was like that was, a, you know, pretty low budget for a big action thriller. And that ended up being a YouTube Red original, right? Yeah, Legendary uh, financed the movie. And mm-hmm. then YouTube bought the movie to distribute it so they were like the distributor and then for the sequel they you know kind of were on board from the beginning right and then and the big thing for me was working with this this crew that i'd been doing sketches with and, mm-hmm. and short films and commercials and things and it's like so this time you got to take your your yeah, team with you took the team cool. exactly well it and sounds like you could have taken your team the first time but you were afraid i was afraid to because i was like oh it's a movie it's different i gotta get movie people yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's really not the case it's like yeah. what you should be doing is you should be 
growing with a group and and making each other better and then coming up together as opposed to like reaching sure. out out of your sort of league of where you're at and skill set and things. So that's that's where I and that's just maybe just for me, but that was my comfort levels. Like I want people that I can not feel nervous around to ask a dumb question to yeah, or yeah. no one's going to roll make their a, eyes. Yeah, make a suggestion because I, you know, I, I always got mistaken for like a PA on every set because <laughs> I, I look still, like I'm 14. <laughs> I still kind of I don't get mistaken for a PA, but like there is always the question of like what what are you doing here? What's your job exactly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, oh, so it's, and it's weird to be like, hi, I'm Matt director. I know. That's weird. I'm going to start doing name tags. Cause it's just like a nice, I, I heard Greta Gerwig did yeah, that yeah. on Ladybird, And that's just also a good way to learn everyone's names too. If there's new people coming in or it makes everyone feel like kind of at camp or something. I, I had one, I did name tags, uh, on a shoot just recently and mine immediately came off and was stuck <laughs> to everybody's shoe. <laughs> like multiple people. I was like, Oh wait, that's my name tag under this PA's boot. I'll, maybe the, the note there is to get a shirt. That's just, yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is <laughs> one of my, shirt. one of my dear best friends, uh, Kevin is a sound guy, and it, the first day of every shoot, he wears a t-shirt that says Kevin. <laughs> Pretty smart. Um, let's talk about funny story a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. So that's your the latest film. Yes. Um, how did that come to be? So I kind of reached this point where after Smiley and, and Internet Famous and then uh, the Thinning movies that I was sort of I'm, I was sort of known as this Internet guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then every movie I was pitching that was outside of that that was trying to do something more grown up um for a different audience at no one was could see it it's insane right yeah i understand it's not not insane it's just um yeah it's like branding you know it's like if you know eli roth wants to do a kids movie or comedy or something it's like a harder sell than if he wants to you know have a bunch of people in a cabin or right. a casino and there's knives everywhere. It's like you kind of get known for something. And then if you want to break out of it and show a different side, it's, it's like a, it's almost like you're starting over mm-hmm. in a way. And so that, that kind of started creeping up. And, and again, I, I kind of have these moments where I feel like I have to bet on myself to show what I can do to go mm-hmm. do, you know, kind of in a new direction. And so that was what I wanted to do with funny story. So this is a totally self-financed movie. I, oh. I tried to take everything I learned from smiley and improve upon it yeah. and, and tell a more personal story. This Well, time. is it self-financed because you wanted to have full control or is it self-financed because you pitched it around and people weren't, didn't see why you were making this movie? It was both. Uh, it was both. It was. It's something that I felt like I I had to make, and I saw it so clearly. And you know, it was something we, Steve Green and I, uh, my writing partner, we wrote it in 2015 or so. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few moments where we almost made it, and it didn't quite happen. And so I had like did all my pre-production and I cast it, and you know, been workshopping mm-hmm. it. And so it's just like I kept seeing the movie every day, and then you know eight months of not making it and working on something else. And it's just like burning a hole in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I got to a point where I'm like, if I'm, if I'm going to make it, I have to do this now or I can never talk about it again. Like it kind of right, got to that right. point. And so I just said, you know, we got to do this. And, and I was like, we're going to keep it really small, mm-hmm. <laughs> really scrappy. And then of course it's like everything kind of balloons bigger than you want. But when um, you decide to keep it small and scrappy, do you think to yourself like, well, there's a location I have in mind and there's a cast I have in mind and I'm going to like kind of design it around the resources I have? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, we wrote it, we wrote it with kind of a, 
with nothing specifically in mind. And then that, those processes of, of pre-production, scouting locations and things, uh, we would find specific spots and then write the script to it. So like, for example, a lot of the movie takes place at this sort of like retreat in Big Sur. Mm-hmm. And so we found this amazing spot in Topanga Canyon off Airbnb mm-hmm. and it had a teepee. <laughs> and rather than say, oh, we got to get rid of this teepee. It was like, oh, wait a minute. Let's let's yeah. add the teepee into the sure. movie. Let's embrace yeah. the teepee. Let's go full teepee. So that's what we did. And then it actually became like this funny ongoing bit that this character lived, you know, staying in this teepee there. And it kind of became this like weird focal point because the movie's it's a fish out of water story about a father trying to reconnect with his daughter. And she's just been off living life and he's been living his. And he just he doesn't realize all the destruction he's causing. Mm-hmm. And so when he shows up to, to see his daughter, he there's all these things about her life he doesn't know. And so the, the fun of the movie is watching him squirm and having, he has all these dark secrets that are, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's trying not to let come out. And um, and so the teepee and all the, the weirdness of Big Sur and things, like it kind of added to that environment. And so it was like, we just kind of went, rather than, fight against the elements we kind of just would whatever was coming lean at in. us we would we'd lean in and just how do we embrace this and it just kind of added some texture to the movie i think and you're neither a father nor a daughter how did you come <laughs> up with this story <laughs> and i'm assuming steve green isn't either um uh, no uh we actually wrote it we wrote it about a couple things one i had uh had a period like i think a lot of people where as an adult i sort of disconnected from my dad for a little bit my parents got divorced when i was 22 like right after smiley came out they got divorced i hope they're like that didn't cause look, it look, no. look, we created <laughs> but yeah there like, were... yeah, i got this haunted inst- <laughs> email and now <laughs> exactly and so uh and so yeah there was like a couple years where we didn't we weren't as close and i'm an only child so i grew up really close with my parents and communicating all the time and we had this weird like kind of couple year gap where sort of radio silence and then one day he just decided that he wanted to see me and so he flew he was living in europe for a little bit and he flew out to come see me and then was there a scene where he's like maker sells to disney for millions of dollars (laughs) no it wasn't that kind of visit no no he um he he came out and uh he he wanted to tell me in person that he's uh he is having a new child like he, he, oh, he met a woman yeah, yeah. that got gotcha. pregnant and, oh, wow. and you I, have a sibling. I have a sibling. And so I thought, oh, I haven't seen you in a couple of years and you flew away from Europe to tell me this. Like, that's outrageous. I have to deal with this somehow. Yeah. And so I guess that's the right way to do it. Right. Yeah. Do well, you know which country in Europe? Uh, Romania. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. He was in Romania. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. But well, that's uh, why this is it's interesting, right? Because you said he has his own. Yeah, I mean, well, the character has his own. I think like secrets. a lot of people, everyone is trying their best and they're living life as they see it. They don't always see how their actions affect everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting about my dad because my dad's a really good person. He just he made a few choices and did a few things that kind of hurt people around him. And it wasn't meaning to. It was just he had to do he had to do certain things for himself. It turned out he met a woman in Romania. So he moved to Romania. Um, and uh, and then from that instance, which was so kind of out of left field, and I just thought the like if I was in his shoes and I got someone pregnant and I had to tell my child, I would do things totally differently. So almost as like an exercise, I thought, well, mm-hmm. I almost want to write what's the psychology of what that is. And 
and getting into that. And then as we were coming up with that, it was like, oh, this it, he's actually coming from a really good place. He, this is just the 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 way he would do it. And so as a way to kind of talk about it, but be, you know, sort of separate, we sort of started writing it about a father daughter story about this, this famous actor who had been filming this sort of like, you know, uh, Adventures of Hercules type show and was disconnected from his daughter. And then now he's finally resurfacing at Comic-Con and, you know, up in San Francisco and he wants to go visit her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of about the movie's really about forgiveness and about how the, th- the hurt that we've caused people and can we forgive the people that have hurt us and how do we break those cycles of, you know, uh, damage that we can cause people un- unintentionally that's true cool. yeah, yeah so it's kind of a it's a different type of a movie than yeah no it's really fascinating to think through though the way that you have grown as an artist you know like that's a, a an interesting trajectory right to kind of find early success doing such a specific weird thing that you know caught everybody off guard now i don't think anyone was like well i'm gonna be an internet star now that the internet can make videos right um but then to pivot into something, you know, different, right? Like nuanced in different ways, right? Like YouTube is sophisticated for a whole other set of rules and, and variables, you know? But to be like, oh, I'm going to make like kind of an adult drama with comedy elements, but like that the core is so personal to you is really fascinating. Yeah, it almost seems, I mean, I know, you know, I made this movie that starred this deaf guy and there's not a ton of dialogue because our main guy's deaf. Sure. And uh, after that, I was like, I just want to make like a movie where everyone is talking the entire time, nonstop, right? You just kind of <laughs> want to go the opposite direction, yeah. right? Um, from what you made. And it, it seems like you made these kind of like high octane thrillers with like big personalities. And you're like, hey, let me just like make something personal and emotional, like deep and yeah. simple. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to complex and like high. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a it's a different tempo for sure. Um, And the writing process of this was interesting because we kind of wanted it to be a multi generational story. So we also added this character that's played by Emily Bett Ricards, who's who's on Arrow and all these kind of like superhero shows. Um, And she plays this character Kim, who her character she's her mom just passed away and she's going through sort of a quarter life crisis. So it's sort of about a man going through a midlife crisis mm-hmm. and a girl going through a quarter life crisis. And those two characters meet and then they just cause destruction for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of a comedy of errors. It's almost like the tone of it is like, what if Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm, like had an epiphany that like, maybe I'm not a good person <laughs> <laughs> because throughout that show, he's like hundred percent certain he's correct about yeah, everything. Yeah, sure. And he's just causing damage because of that. And so it's like, well, what if he had an epiphany? Like, oh, maybe I'm the what, maybe what I'm problem. doing is the problem. Right. It's but, like the finale of Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, so, are there any YouTube like influencer type people in the movie? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I have a few. Well, it's funny because uh, Nikki Limo and Steve Green, who are some of my best friends, like Steve Green, we've written like five, six movies together, and. Nikki, I cast her in Totally Sketch early days, um, and then she kind of took to YouTube <laughs> from that. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of known as a YouTuber, but she's really an actress. She's in the movie, and Steve's in the movie. He plays a, a centaur in this fictional <laughs> show called Youngblood mm-hmm. that the, the dad is known for. <laughs> sure, sure. That you kind of see snippets of throughout the movie. That's so. nice to be able to kind of drop in, like... A more absurdist element to everything. It's otherwise pretty grounded. Right? Yeah, it, it's... Well, it's kind of like... I don't know. I mean... 
Xena warrior princess or something mm-hmm. like that's a real thing but if you watch it now it's like it doesn't necessarily age very well even when we were kids it was like how is <laughs> yeah. this happening I'm like what is that whistle <laughs> so i guess with all your other movies like the slam dunk right is that you're like worst case scenario we just have shane dawson and logan paul tell people to go watch this movie and they'll go watch this movie <laughs> yeah on this movie you don't have that like smoking gun yeah well this movie we um we kind of consciously said we're not gonna cast you know kind of the influencers where we want to do a different beat and just you know play the film festival circuit so that's kind of what we did we we premiered at slam dance they have this beyond mm-hmm. category it's not first time filmmakers it's like you know kind cool. of people who've yeah. done other features and uh we had a great reception there and then we got we played at like 30 film festivals last wow. year congrats man oh thank That's you incredible oh, yeah i mean did... how was slam dance i mean it was oh it's incredible yeah it's uh it's were you like super scrappy and fun. i mean it's slam dance. like <laughs> trying to have people think you said sundance <laughs> yeah well that's the fun conversation you have with slam everyone like, dance We're at slam is, dance is still cool though no it's super cool yeah yeah it's, I, it's like filmmaker cool it's like if you if you tell your uncle sure, they don't know yeah. what that is yeah yeah necessarily unless your uncle's like steven spielberg but yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah it's like where christopher nolan's first movie played right. lena dunham and lynn shelton and uh, i mean it's awesome yeah cool i didn't people. mean that and, at all and, but it's oh, at yeah, the exact and, same time at the exact same place well they sundance well they made it as a response to sundance because it was a group of filmmakers who didn't get in and they were like we're gonna start our own film festival across the street at the same time <laughs> yeah, yeah and then it's been going for 25 years and it's kind of grown this like kind of it's a it's a true indie movie um festival because no budget can be over a million dollars so oh, is that true i didn't yeah, realize that they have That's the cool. and it's a re, and it's they have so many um great outreach programs they're partnering with the dga they they like want to help filmmakers go from you know their first film their early work to kind of help them get mm-hmm. into the industry and and partner and like the russo brothers were there when we were there and we like talked to them about our movie and we sent it to them and like you know we got a meeting with them and everything it's like really yeah that oh, actually wow. happened at slam dance and it's like That's i don't i don't cool, know that man. that experience could happen yeah at sundance and not as everyone's kind of a little more guarded and a little more like that's like the cool kids club right. and then these are like the kids on the grassy knoll like smoking a joint sure, like, sure. that's kind of slam dance yeah, yeah. Vibe. but yeah we played at a bunch of festivals um last any year. other um ones you would recommend to listeners at home oh my God, so many um the the one of my favorite festivals and one of the coolest experience we ever had uh, with a movie was we played at this film festival called uh, Evolution Mallorca, which is uh, this like small island in Spain, mm. and it's they try and make it really big there. Like they they flew in like Mads Mikkelsen and Melissa Leo and gave them like these honorary awards and they did like master classes there. But we uh, funny story got selected to be the opening night movie oh, at cool. this festival. That's cool. And they screened it yeah. in an opera house. It's like a 16th century. It's like a thousand people, a thousand Spaniards dressed up black tie event. And literally, <laughs> they give subtitles. Spanish yeah, subtitles? we put Spanish subtitles. Uh, and then they ha- like gave an award to Melissa Leo, gave an award to Mads Mikkelsen. They're like, and now funny story, <laughs> and literally wild. showed the movie to that, and it worked, and it played really well in Spain. It got big laughs, and it got a standing ovation. It was like, what is happening? Like we premiered it at Slam Dance in like a conference room, basically <laughs> of a hotel, which is like where they've been since you know the very beginning. And then now we're in like a small island in south of Spain, like sitting next to Mads Mikkelsen, like <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> watching our movie, it's well, outrageous. Wait. Speaking of Mads Mikkelsen, so Joe Pena. Uh, Joe Pena, yeah. Joe Pena. He made a feature sure. too. Arctic, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And that seemed, starring Mads Mikkelsen, and he seemed to make a very definitive leap from 
YouTube to like it seemed like if he had zero history of, in YouTube, it wouldn't make a difference to his feature. Yeah, well, he took a a really interesting approach where. He was he was offered a lot of opportunities of so Joe know, Penn is Mr. Guitar Man, Mr. Right? Guitar Man, yeah. But he's he's done a lot of big you know yeah. internet stuff, and um, I think he he was offered a lot of movies that would be starring digital influencers, and I think he was close on a couple of them. But then I think he had a moment where he's like, no, I what I I want to do something totally different as a filmmaker, and he really focused on writing for a number of years, like you know, kind of. I feel like I've been um, out in the arena, like you know failing in public and like working very publicly like since my start like I've never I never had those years of like oh I'm just going off and sneaking off and doing something it's like everything I do is everything I'm doing is like broadcast good bad (laughs) ugly it's just like like, we got we got (laughs) 10 bus benches (laughs) yeah you get to watch what happens in real time but with Joe he was really smart about it and he took uh his time and you know worked with his writing partner and they wrote some scripts that they submitted to I think it was like a Nichols Fellowship finalist on mm-hmm. one of his scripts. I think it's the one he's doing now, and and so he really worked. He worked as a a writer and tried to hone that craft. Was he still making his YouTube videos at the same time? Uh, I think so. I think there was a. I mean, everyone kind of gets to a point where you kind of branch from YouTube to maybe commercials, branded stuff. So I think he was doing like yeah. McDonald's commercials and and cool like you know kind of high end stuff. And so I think he was making that conscious leap. To, to do this and then uh, he wrote this great script that only needed really one actor and they're like who can we get Nads have you seen the movie thing. oh yeah it played at uh, Mallorca yeah it's amazing oh really yeah it wasn't the opening night movie though it wasn't the opening night movie suck it Joe two days later <laughs> um, no, he, this... pl- he premiered at Cannes I think he's okay <laughs> yeah, he's well, alright <laughs> I think he's got uh, Cannes is the right. slam yeah. dance of Khan. yeah <laughs> um, cool so how can we see the movie I guess I think when we're this will be out. I think it, you should be able to see it in a couple weeks on iTunes. It'll, it'll be out on iTunes and all on-demand things May twenty-fourth, so Memorial Day weekend, twenty nineteen. And any other <laughs> streaming like uh, Netflix or Hulu it'll, or it'll also be Prime. in some limited theaters in like L.A., New York, San Francisco, and then in success it'll hopefully expand. And we'll be doing Q and As with the cast at all the theaters. And um, yeah, I mean, I just. I think if you, if you like movies like Sideways, you know, and kind of like you know, people who are sort of cantankerous doing uncomfortable things and trying to learn lessons slowly but surely, I think you'll enjoy a funny story. Awesome. Well, uh, Michael, we can't wait to see your movie. And uh, shall we hop into unpaid endorsements? Unpaid endorsements. Okay. So I have two. Number one is, you guys know Joe Sabia? He's this, uh, he worked for Condé Nast. He's made all these, like, and he does, like, the 73 questions for mm-hmm. Vogue, where he'll, like, go into a celebrity's house and ask them 73 questions. Oh, sure, yeah. And Jess Dunlap, DP that uh, Matt and I have worked with a ton, shoots them. Um, well, he put out this new, he's doing this new series that's kind of like a breakdown of how different people in the film industry do their job. So he did this video with, like, a script supervisor where she just showed all the continuity errors in a scene and showed how she would fix them, which was pretty good. But he just put out a new one, which was like incredible. And it was a screenwriter and she wrote like the latest Pacific Rim movie. Have you seen this video? I I saw links to it, but didn't dude watch it. Should I watch it? She's basically like this studio screenwriter, which is pretty youngish seeming like probably mid to late thirties or something. Um, and she just gets a prompt to write a scene out of a sci-fi movie. And then and they're like, you have seven minutes to write this scene. 
and here's it has to have these two characters in it and there has to be a chase and, and the, this whatever and she just like starts writing like literally and you see her final draft screen and she's like well I like to start in the middle and I like to kind of put these like little tent poles so I can write to them and then she finishes it in like seven minutes and it's a pretty good scene then she gets like an email and it's like hey studio note we want to make sure you like establish this character's origin story she's like okay and she does it and it's whole video is like 10 minutes long and it's like just really good she ends up with this like pretty solid sci-fi scene for a movie that does not exist she's just kind of making up as she's writing and it's just like fascinating to watch um so anyway check it out you know uh john august would do like kind of live writing videos every once in a while as well like kind of a long time ago these are youtube videos but like i think it was back when he had a blog and not a podcast pre-script notes yeah pre-script notes but it was again you were watching like the final draft you know project file like evolve in front of your eyes and it was really incredible just to kind of like how he streamlined language and things right so this is her the writer's name is emily carmichael and they did it for vanity fair and if you look up watch a hollywood screenwriter write a scene from scratch in seven minutes You'll find this video. It's uh, it's highly, highly recommended. Um, my other thing is just a little more philosophical. Uh, my daughter, she's three. And, you know, she gets like a bunch of random gifts. Like she'll get a, a book of like a hundred stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the other day we got her like a drawing pad. It was like 50 pages of a drawing pad. And my dad is visiting from Israel. And she was like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you. And she had markers and she had this drawing pad. And she drew one line on every page for like 50 pages and was like, this is for you. This is for you. This is for you. <laughs> um, and then she took like all the stickers that she had, like a hundred stickers and just stuck them on. She stuck like 10 hearts on my leg and like mm-hmm. she just used everything. And my first instinct is like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like You're you only have stickers. yeah 50 pages and you only have a hundred stickers. Like why are you using them all in like one hour? But I feel like my approach to art in general is like, don't, like, you know, if I got 50 canvases, I'd be like so precious about the first canvas because yeah. I only have 50, you know. Um, and I just like I was thinking about like how awesome is it? She made like 50 pieces of art. Yeah, sure. They're just like one line, but she's just like using everything. And it just kind of reminded me like if if I have 50 canvases, I should paint 50 things yeah. as fast as possible, you know. Um, and it, it just kind of like reminded me about like, you know. That, that you should just like use everything you have and don't save things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, a little um, weird of a thought, but I just enjoyed it. You made me think of how when I was a kid, my parents would sometimes give me like five bucks for the arcade or whatever. And I was so neurotic that I wouldn't spend, Ever spend, it. spend all of the quarters. <laughs> and then I would leave without having played the video games. <laughs> So I just stood in, our, in an arcade for 30 <laughs> minutes or whatever long I had time yeah. for. That's a short film. I will say yeah. money is money is the exception. You should probably save a little but bit. But what am I going to spend my money on when I'm like 10? <laughs> yeah, no. Like, oh, do you have any change here? We'll take it back. You know, like. Do you want to play a game to win tickets so you could get like a, like a yo-yo? Yeah, I wanted to do all of that stuff, Michael Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, the happier That's kid. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you could have won a really cheap yo-yo yes. for like yeah. 600 tickets. That I desperately wanted. No, but the happier kid is the one that plays video games a ton when they get their yeah. $5 than the kid that has like $50 saved up but has like never played a video game. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, what you got? 
Um, I I have this movie that actually is not a new movie, but it's from the eighties. It's a documentary uh, about John Lennon called mm-hmm. Imagine. Have you guys seen this movie? No. Mm-mm. It's incredible. I watched it the other day because I kind of remember when I used to have because like, I get we, we cut cable, but <laughs> we cut our cord. So it's been a few years since I like channel surf. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, I used to like discover all these like interesting movies. So I was like, oh, I remember this movie Imagine, and it's all this home footage home video footage that John and John Lennon and Yoko Ono shot mm-hmm. when they got together all the way until he passed away. And they cut that with archival footage and interviews of like their manager and like the, the Beatles. And it's like, you really get to see inside like what was going on with them and, and in their own words, like they're just documenting like almost every day. It's like a vlogger. And wow. it's like incredible, like the kind of access and footage. Because you're like, you get in the movie, you get to watch him uh, pitch Imagine. He's like, oh, yeah, I have an idea for the song Imagine. And like, Imagine all the people. Da, 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 da. It's like him doing that to yeah. a groom. He's like, yeah, you guys see. It'll be pretty good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like goes to a piano and starts doing it, like more or less. <laughs> and it's like, what? How does that? Like, crazy. why is it not? Why is this not everywhere? Because it's, I don't know. It was like one of those gems where it's like you feel like you're. A fly on the wall, like to all this greatness. Yeah, that so, sounds where incredible. did you watch it? On iTunes. So oh, cool. it's, it's out there. And it was because it's been many years, I think it's like less than it's less money to rent. Yeah. It's on the cheap <laughs> yeah. side. Speaking yeah. of iTunes, do you know how insanely difficult it is to leave an iTunes review if you are not an Apple user? Oh, I don't think it's possible. I think you have to have an account, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a real pain. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, <everyone>. thanks Apple. <laughs> Get on that, Apple. Yeah. <laughs> okay imagine cool. uh imagine sounds great well mine is a short and sweet one my wife showed me this video today it's a video called directed by john ford interview and it's just john ford pretty late in life you know he's got the eye patch <laughs> yeah. and he's wearing a dodgers cap <laughs> like because you think of john ford you think of him like pointing with a fucking cowboy hat on in the you know monument <laughs> valley or whatever this is old john ford i don't know how much longer he had to live um but he's still in like a big beautiful vista and he's smoking a cigar and the person off camera is really asking these super thoughtful questions he's watched every single john ford movie and he is giving single word answers to all of these questions <laughs> it's so brutal and so funny you know he asked like how did you shoot the uh this incredible scene where all these people uh, you know overtake the city or whatever you know how'd you shoot that and he goes with a camera <laughs> no joke <laughs> and at the end of the video i realized that the interviewer is a young peter bogdanovich Oh, wow. Wow. So it makes everything okay. It's not like some <laughs> poor kid who's just like really excited to interview him. So we'll have it in the show notes, but you know, just Google Peter Bogdanovich, John Ford interview, and that'll get you there. It so hilarious. funny. It's a minute and a half long. It's like a legend being rude to another legend. Pretty great. Cool. As yeah. the way it always should be. <laughs> um, but cool. Yeah. So how can we find out more about, I mean, you're, one of our guests that probably has the links. biggest footprint on yeah um, on the internet. Funnystorymovie.com. You can find the movie and info about uh, our companies and things. And um, I'm on Twitter. All my ats are at Totally Sketch. So Instagram, Twitter, all that biz. 
Cool. You can give us some feedback, comments, questions. Let us know what you think about Michael's movie. If you email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at SmiteyPileg, and I'm on Instagram at OKaplan. And you can find me at Mr. Madlinlow. The show's at Just Shoot Pod across all social media. This episode was produced by Madeline Rosewatt, edited by Jay McAuliffe, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazard. And if you can leave us an iTunes review, that would be excellent. Sorry, I not did. Apple people. I left a review. You did. And it was glowing. T-Sketch 69? <laughs> 96, come on. Okay, got it. I, I keep it nice nowadays. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, um, cool. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.